This edition of the EdSurge On Air podcast is brought to you by the EdSurge Fusion Conference, an invitation-only event for school and district leaders. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Mary Jo Matta, and welcome to the EdSurge On Air podcast. Virtual schools are a fiercely debated topic. Some, like her Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, and the American Legislative Exchange Council, are in favor. Others, including researchers like Columbia University Professor Aaron Pallas, have pushed back. In fact, last January, Pallas called out DeVos for presenting misleading graduation rates quoted from K-12 Inc. while presenting her case for virtual school expansion. But politicians and researchers aside, what do the students who attend virtual schools think? Are they pleased with their experiences or wishing they could return back to the brick and mortar traditional schools where they started? This week, we sat down with Amanda Regan, a graduate of Virtual High School in Ontario, Canada, and Kiaha Regoza, a product of California Virtual Academies and the FLEX program through the University of Wisconsin. Unlike the aforementioned researchers and politicians, both Regan and Regoza experienced virtual schooling for themselves and shared with us the pros, cons, and questions they still have around the roles that virtual schools can play in both K-12 and higher education. We'll get to that interview right after this. The EdSurge Fusion Conference is an invitation-only event for school and district leaders from around the country. They'll be coming together in the San Francisco Bay Area from November 1st to the 3rd to talk about personalized learning and school transformation. If this sounds interesting to you, please request an invitation or learn about sponsorship opportunities by going to the following bit.ly link, bit.ly slash edsurgefusion. That's one word. Again, bit.ly slash edsurgefusion. All right, listeners, welcome back. Now, we are going to get into this Q&A in a moment, but just as a reminder, we've got two students who spoke with us this week about virtual schooling, and I consider them the experts because, well, they actually went to virtual schools. Amanda Regan went to virtual high school in Ontario, Canada, and Kiaha Regoza went to California Virtual Academies. But they didn't just stop in high school. Amanda actually works for virtual high school now, and Kiaha went back into virtual schooling when he did the FLEX program through the University of Wisconsin. So it's safe to say that these guys are the experts, and I'll let them take it from here. So I am here with two wonderful students, Amanda Regan and Kiaha Regoza, who are uh, both graduates of virtual online schools. And because of that, we are interested to get their take on virtual education. So let's start off with a pretty softball question. Um, And Amanda, why don't you go first? Where did you attend and then why did you and or your parents choose to send you to a virtual program over an in-person school? Okay, great. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, I went to virtual high school based out of Ontario. Uh, So I did all of my high school online, grade 9 through grade 12, every single credit. Um, Basically, I chose to go through a virtual private school because the public schools in my area weren't the greatest. Um, Didn't really get along with just my learning style. Um, I'd gone to a few private schools before and it was just the best option for me, uh, just academically, personally, socially, it was 
just more flexible. Excellent. And then Kiaha, uh, what about you? Um, you know, also thank you for having me. Big honor. Um, I went through California Virtual Academies. Uh, it was a public school curriculum. Um, and I've kind of went through, the, you know, the reason my reasoning is pretty much the same as Amanda's. My mom and I were looking at different high schools and everything because I was coming out of private. Wasn't really sure where to go from here. And my mom's big, my mom's biggest worry was if I got like, you know, the teacher to student ratio wasn't, wasn't too great. And my mom was worried I was going to get lost in the fray. And my mom really wanted to me to be the best that I could be and where possible advance my education and everything. So that's why we did that. Um, the big selling point for me as a 15 year old was that I was getting a free computer. So, you know, and it must've had a big impact on you because you actually then ended up doing virtual schooling later. Is that right? That is correct. I went to a community college for a couple of years just to get my general ed out of the way. And then I was looking through different schooling programs and everything. And my mom told me about a program called uh, the flex program through university of Wisconsin. And it was great because it was at your own pace. So they give you three months uh, for a semester and you take as many classes as you want and it's at your own pace. So some classes it took a couple months, some classes on a great day uh, lasted a week, you know, so it was, it was a fantastic program um, for me to get, and it helped me get my bachelor's. Excellent. So between the two of you, I mean, both of you have at least four years of experience within virtual programs. And Amanda, I believe you are actually working at virtualhighschools.com right now. Is that right? I am. I am. I started there. Uh, I did a placement there for my, I'm a teacher. Uh, so part of my placement I do, did with virtual high school. And now I'm working there over the summer, helping with teaching and developing the courses. So I'm guessing based on the fact that you both attended and it is now your employer, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you enjoyed about being part of a virtual school online as opposed to going to school in person? Uh, yeah, so the biggest thing for me was the flexibility of it all. Uh, same thing as he was saying, uh, it was all do at your own pace. So while I could take my time on subjects that I didn't understand as well, i.e. chemistry, um, I could take my time and go through slowly. I could also go through quickly the other areas and not have to wait um, for other students, or I could just basically do it as I was ready for it. Um, I could blitz through it, take my time, enjoy it, uh, which is really what worked well for me. And it was more one-on-one. -on -one. I got personal help from teachers and a lot more uh, personal instruction than you would get in just a normal public school. So that for me was the biggest selling point. So the flexibility, the one-on-one -on -one experience, Kiaha, was it similar for you or were there other things that you really liked? Oh, totally. The flexibility was a big selling point for me. I mean, I probably shouldn't admit this on a podcast, but I mean, it's been a few years. So hey, if my mom grounds me, my mom grounds me. But there were times where, you know, they would go, you know, there'd be days where like I take school and it'd take me like 10 minutes and at the t um, and then I play guitar the rest of the day. And, you know, looking back, it's like, OK, maybe I should have paid a little more attention in school. I absolutely should. But at the same time, I was able to really pursue what I really love. And I was like, OK, I like music and I like playing around with this computer the school gave me. What can how can I use this? Like, how can I, you know, make a living off doing these two things? You know, so it really helped me find myself for lack of better words. It is interesting that you bring up the fact of how much time you spent in the schooling environment online, though, because um, before we hopped on this podcast, I asked a bunch of my Twitter followers, what questions would you want to ask um, either of these former 
virtual students. And one of the questions that came up uh, frequently was, how did you manage your time effectively while you were doing this work online to avoid distraction? So what was that experience like for you? Did you get distracted? And if so, how did you try to get around it? And either of you can answer. Um, so yeah, definitely the time management was a very interesting to deal with. Um, it was it's been great. It was great preparation for university. You certainly learn how to manage your time, uh, but it wasn't always easy. I, I tried to try and keep it where I had as normal of a schedule as I could. Um, so try and keep the nine to three type thing going. Um, but at the same time, I was a figure skater at the time. So I was skating a lot, competitions all the time. So it gave me the flexibility to, oh, if I have to put in an extra hour of practice or if I have a competition, you have that flexibility. But then when you go to work, you have to actually sit down and make sure that you do the work, um, which isn't always fun. But I tried, I was able to do it where I worked during the day, but I never had homework. So I went home and I could just be at home with my family. Um, so that was kind of my motivation was to work during the day and then not have to do anything once I went home. Yeah, mine was pretty much the same thing, except with fig, uh, figure skating. I was a sheriff's explorer for through the through high school. And for those unaware, it's kind of like it was an off branch of the Boy Scouts and like cop training for kids. Um, so for me, it was the like the more the older I got, the more um, the more I progressed through high school. Because at the beginning, I was also the same. You know, my grades really um, my grades kind of sunk because I didn't know how to manage my time. But that was the wake up call I needed. I was like, okay, from this time to this time, I'm going to do. X, Y, and Z, you know, help me manage my time, uh, like manage my time with classes, help me prioritize which classes to do first, um, manage projects, all that stuff. And the more constraints I had, the more extracurricular things I had, explorers, you know, I joined, I ended up joining the worship team and, and college and everything. So the more constraints I had, that actually pushed me to focus on school and, and everything as well. And how did it look in terms of support from your teachers? Because something else that people were curious about was, what were your relationships with your teachers like? Did you feel that they were really able to support you or did the the sort of distance actually make it more difficult for the relationship to be there? Uh, well, for me, it was it was definitely there. It was definitely made available. There were times where I had to contact my teachers through email. Um, we had live sessions. Some Most teachers, for the uh, most part, they didn't require you to go. Um, some teachers... It was kind of tedious where they required you to go. So you had to sit there for an hour and a half on their time, you know, while you watch, listen to this lecture when you've already got the concepts. Um, for me, I actually preferred learning on my own and grasping the concepts. And when I did have big questions, I would ask them, ask them that. But I actually really liked the distance so I can work on my own. Yeah, if I can jump in, I would say pretty much the exact same thing in my experience. Um, virtual high school, they call it asynchronous, so there's no set time where you have to sit in on a lecture or anything like that. So all communication is either done through email or in the feedback that you get from your teacher when you hand in assignments. Um, so it's very much you get out of it what you put in. So if you need more help from the teacher, you can ask for it and get it. Um, and it's like any school system. You have your favorite teachers. I had the same English teacher for three courses and I loved him. He was absolutely amazing. I have the privilege of working with him now. Um, so, and there's teachers that you don't get along with as well. It's just like any school system, um, but you definitely still get a personal relationship. It's one of those things you don't think you would because it is all written and it's all over email. Um, 
but I think because both parties know that it's all written communication, both people put more effort into it um, and try to make it more personal. So you still get that relationship. You still get to know them. What about relationships to Amanda with fellow, you know, other students? Because when I was in high school, it's a big time for making friends. You know, you date, you are learning how to interact really with lots of different types of people. What was that like in a virtual school environment? So for most students in the virtual school, in virtual high school, uh, there's not a whole lot of student-to-student interaction. There's discussion boards um, that you can participate in and respond to fellow students, um, but it's not mandatory. It's not like you have to, uh, which was part of the appeal for me. I didn't really want to have to deal with all of the, there's a lot of benefits to social interactions in high school. There's also a lot of drawbacks. Uh, so mm-hmm. I just kind of tried to avoid all of that. Um, and for me, I didn't have as much student interaction, like student-student interaction, but I got that through my extracurriculars. So figure skating is where my friends were, and it freed up my time with them. Um, so it wasn't as big of a deal for me, I guess. Kiaha, you seem to be in agreement. Is that also sort of what you experienced as well? Oh, I 100% agree with you, Amanda, because I I did have some friends from my old school, uh, my old middle school days, which I kept in contact with, but my, my true friends and every, well, not true friends. Cause they, I do, I am still um, very close to those that I was in middle school with, but like I became friends with, you know, people in my Explorer program, two of which are now going to be in my, my wedding coming up next year. And they're, they're just like brothers to me. And to me, I did have the opportunity to have some high school interactions with through my old friends. I would go to like, I went to like senior prom cause I was dating one of their, one of my friends, friends at the time. And it wasn't as, it wasn't as cracked up as, as I, you know, people hyped it up to be at everything. And there was a lot of politics that I saw, you know, high school politics that I thought was just a load of hooey. And I was like, you know what, I'd rather just go home, do schoolwork, play video games the rest of the day. And I'm perfectly fine with this. Like I do not, I don't feel like I missed anything. Sure. And I, I will say, I think that's the first time the word hooey has ever been used on the Ed Search podcast. So <laughs> you you can feel very proud that you were able to work that into the conversation. Um, now I'm hearing, you know, I'm definitely hearing some positives. Obviously not everything is perfect. Not, you know, nothing in existence is perfect. What were some of the things that were hard for you or things that you didn't like about being part of virtual schools? Hmm. For me, I mean, as much as I did not feel like I didn't miss, at the, in retrospect, I didn't miss anything in terms of high school social aspect. But going through it, I, there were times where I definitely did get lonely. I definitely wish like, oh, man, I wish I did have friends to hang out with during the day because it got very lonely in my room and everything. Um, I think oh, there was something else, but I, it's slipping my head right now. Um, but, you know, like going through courses and everything and sometimes with the email being your main communication and everything it was sort of hard to get like when something like math is getting really really hard on you the book's not making sense and the only method to communicate with your teacher is through email um it it can get really hard at times yeah i would agree especially with the email um i know virtual high school they're working on fixing that right now they now offer tutoring which helps uh so that's more 24 7 but for me it was always the little questions where you're just stuck on this one math problem and you know it's probably some stupid little error that you're making, but you can't figure out what it is. And it's a pain to have to wait the day or day and a half for your teacher to get back to you. Um, so like I said, they're working on fixing that. But for me, that was one of one of my 
frustrations, I guess, while I was going through, um, was there is that time delay uh, whenever you're oh, doing yeah. it. It's funny to hear that because I think I think so often how easy it is to just, you know, send a text to somebody or a lot of organizations have sort of internal chat systems. I mean, I'm sure you guys have come across some tools that if you could go back, you'd say, hey, why don't you, you know, why don't you guys use these? Um, are there any particular tools that you think of virtual schools used? Maybe that would help lighten that up a bit and, and make you feel a bit more connected? A non-proprietary chat room. At least when I was going through it, I can't remember. It wasn't Blackboard, but it was some proprietary school-based chat room where, where we would take our live sessions and everything. And it was cool, but it wasn't always open. It wasn't always accessible. And because it was proprietary, you had to use this operating system with these certain system requirements and everything. I mean, thinking about it now is like if we had Google Hangouts, I think a lot of my issues in terms of like I can't get this problem would have been solved. Uh, yeah, so I think, I know there's some teachers with virtual high school who are okay doing things like Skype, um, and I think integrating that more would sometimes be helpful because there are certain questions that you have there. It's difficult to get across in an email, um, or it's difficult to see how to solve that equation without it actually being done in front of you. Um, so sometimes a video chat type system would be helpful. Um, obviously, there's drawbacks to it as well. but uh, I think that's probably one of the tools that I could see being useful in certain environments. I keep forgetting, too, that you guys were in in high school a little while back. So some of these tools like Google Hangouts didn't actually exist. I wonder, were there other tools that you found useful or that you used when you were going through virtual programs? Like aside from just the chat functions, anything else that kind of um, helped you in the experience? Well, at least for me, as someone who had issues with math and everything, I can't remember it for the life of me, but I happened to stumble upon this algebra calculator, which didn't just give me the answer. It actually walked me through like, okay, you carry the two here, you divide three here, and it walked me through it. And I was able to use that for my notes. I was like, oh, that's how you solve for X and everything. So it really walked me through it. Um, yeah, I can't remember it for the life of me, but it was a great program. Um, I'm trying to think now. Um... I know it was the same sort of thing, I guess, with resources. Uh, there's like reference generators, citation generators. Oh, uh, I used yeah. those a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't use them as much anymore, but I definitely used to in high school. Um, so those were always useful. Same type of thing. You figure out what resources are credible and uh, useful. I did a lot of English and history courses, so you find out which sources are more reliable than others, which is also very useful for post-secondary. Um, yeah, so I guess I'm not sure if that answers your question or not, but. No, definitely. In fact, I think that's a tool that whether you're in a virtual school or a, uh, an in-person school that students use on the regular to help them sort of figure out where their sources are coming from. And I do think that's interesting, though I kind of want to step back sort of outside of this for the last few questions and, and kind of go beyond both of your individual experiences and think about this as something that could potentially affect all students. So as you may or may not know, there are some people that absolutely love virtual schools. And one of them is our current Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. However, on the other side, there's folks who are against them and sometimes will cite research that says that virtual schools aren't effective. So for example, 
there was this study that The Atlantic referenced this past June, just you know, a month and a half ago. And the study had looked at thousands of virtual charter school students in 18 states. The study found that students in those schools performed dramatically worse on standardized tests in comparison to students in traditional schools. So if somebody came up to you who had read this research and said, oh, I'm not a fan of virtual schools, if you met some of these folks in person, what would you say to them about your experiences? Well, for me, I think everyone learns differently. I think some people will excel in virtual schools. I think other people won't. I think the the concept of, you know, alternative methods of education. Well, I mean, it's so important. There's a there's a kid's show. There was um, My Little Pony. I can't remember what episode it was, but one of the characters in the show, she couldn't learn in a brick and mortar school. She had to learn through this other method. And I mean, if it's so important that a kid, they're putting it in a kid's show, you know, I'm always I'm always a fan of it, but again, not everyone is built for it. I can't. I wanted to. Was it Einstein who says if you judge a fish by how it climbs a tree, it's going to spend the rest of its life thinking it's stupid. So I mean, and you know, I always take certain studies with a grain of salt as well. You know, like I want to make sure, like, okay, how credible is that information and everything? And I'm sure it totally was, but and then which then goes back to my main or my previous statement. You know, not everyone's built. Not everyone is built for one method of education. And I would definitely agree with that. Um, their virtual online school worked really, really well for me. Um, maybe more self-motivated, time management, all of that. But I also know other students who really struggled with it. Um, so it, it definitely depends on your interest, um, the type of learner you are, absolutely. Uh, I would also say it really depends on the format of it. I mean, mm -hmm. my experience with virtual high school was phenomenal and I absolutely loved it. And then I took a few online courses during university that were had like deadlines and mandatory discussions and you had to listen to a two hour lecture at a certain time and I hated every second of it. Um, so I think it really depends on the style and the format of the online learning and there's a wide variety. That's a really good point. Well, I have to ask one more last giant question. Um, and this is also something that a few folks asked me before I got you both on the phone. And granted, you know, the Canadian and the United States public education systems are very, very different. Um, at this point in time, many schools don't have virtual components yet to teach students. At the same time, most students also don't go to virtual schools like the two of you did. I would venture to say that both of you are more of an exception to the norm, just given how most traditional, especially public school systems, have been in person. So in your personal opinion, do you think it's going to stay that way? Or do you think that virtual schools are the future of learning? For me, I think they are making an uprising. Whether or not it'll make it'll overtake the brick and mortar, I don't think so. But I, as technology develops and everything, I definitely see them integrating it more. I definitely see them being more inviting and open and not just a virtual schooling. I think just alternative methods of education as a whole, like it's not, you know, there's, there's more than one way to get from point A to point B. And, I, you know, I definitely see that trend growing rapidly. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think to say that they would completely replace it would go against everything that we've that, well, teachers speak that we're talking about differentiation and um, trying to increase the ways that students can learn. If we just replace one system with another, then we're eliminating that possibility. Um, so offering more choice rather than less, I think, is the way to go. 
Um, I can't speak for the American system, but I know in Canada, at least in Ontario, uh, a lot of our public schools do offer some online courses. Um, it's definitely growing, especially for mandatory courses or we have like careers in civics, things like that, that students aren't really thrilled to sit in a classroom for, so they blitz it online. Um, so it's definitely growing. And I think there's a lot of potential for it. Uh, how far it takes off, I, I don't know, but hopefully more people have positive experiences. This has been the EdSearch On Air podcast. This episode was produced and edited by me, Mary Jo Matta, and advertisements were read by Alice Meyerhoff. You can give us a grade on the quality of this podcast by rating us on iTunes or sending an email to us at feedback at edsearch.com. You can also subscribe on the iPhone podcast app, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again next week with more on the future of education. We'll see you then.